You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing, a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. We're three weeks away from opening the 2020 Major League Baseball season and this week We'll continue to get you set for the Cardinals 2020 campaign by visiting with another slate of great guests. We'll be joined by Jack Flaherty, Colton Wong, and Dylan Carlson. Plus, we'll hear from Rick Ankiel, Dr. Robert Butler of the Cardinals staff, and Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. All of that and more as we talk baseball over the next two hours as the Cardinals continue their Grapefruit League schedule here in South Florida. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Mike Anderson back in our network studios. A big thanks, as always, to Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne going to join me in just a moment as we kick things off on this edition of the program. Hey, Joint Manager Mike Schilt as he hosts the Cardinals Care RBI Golf Classic on Thursday, May 7th at Norwood Hills Country Club. This unique experience will pair foursomes with a Cardinals celebrity, including current players, coaches, and alumni. Register today at cardinals.com golf. Clay, it's another week of games in the books, and we saw uh, the third appearances for both Dakota Hudson and Jack Flaherty over the last couple of days. We'll see Adam Wainwright and Carlos Martinez tomorrow in the doubleheader as the Cardinals are in Jupiter, and then will make their way down to West Palm Beach. And, man, can you say enough good things about the pitching to this point? I know we keep talking about the depth, the quality, how good it's been, but even more, even more impressive the performances over the last couple of days. I think the pitching has just been everything you'd hope for uh, from the players that you are looking forward to having on your ball club this year. Now, you've had a couple of guys that have sprung a leak late in ball games, but they don't really factor in this year's roster, so I can roll with that. Uh, but overall, I think it's just been a very sound direction that they've gone in, and I think the issue, Chris, that I really appreciate is even with Michaelis down, other people have seized the opportunity to uh, do what they can. And we're at a point now where innings are going to be harder to come by and everybody's still taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, let's work our way through who we've seen and what we've seen. We'll start with yesterday and today. I think uh, unquestionably, and again, not to rank them, but in terms of the way they're slotted right now, the one-two in your rotation, Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. Flaherty continues to do what he does. And I don't want to say... It's almost business as usual or ho-hum, the expectations for Flaherty Claves, but he's just such a professional in everything that he does that I think you just expect and uh, are awarded with greatness if you're a fan every time that he goes on the mound, whether it's a Grapefruit League game, whether it's uh, you know the NLCS, whether it's the middle of the season. He goes about it in such a consistent manner, Claves, which is something that, that I've really come to appreciate. I think it's a great example that a lot of people can learn from in his approach, and you touched on being prepared, being professional, 
and, and really putting work in. I mean, he puts work in throughout the year. He doesn't take anything for granted, doesn't take anything uh, for granted in any regard. And I think overall it shows by the result. And now that doesn't mean every day he goes out that he's going to have a flawless outing. You know, the other team's pretty good too from time to time. But, man, it won't be because he's not prepared and not ready to go mentally. Dakota Hudson, I think, uh, maybe is flying under the radar in terms of how good he was last year, Claves, how good he was in the second half of the season. And I look at a guy in Hudson, maybe similar to Flaherty from his second year to last year, that could maybe take a big jump this year. We've already seen this spring Hudson limit the walks. Last year, down the stretch, limited the walks. And yesterday I thought was a perfect example of what he is when he's at his best, keeping the ball down, got some spectacular defense obviously behind him, but seven ground ball outs to no fly ball outs, just the one walk. I'm really excited to see how Hudson continues to progress and continues to also pitch in front of what is a fantastic and I think could even be an improved Cardinals defense. Well, I think the other thing that goes into that, I thought Hudson adjusted to poor umpiring. Uh, C.B. Buckner was terrible yesterday, and both teams were just grousing, but there was a time last year when Hudson would be squeezed by the inconsistencies of an umpire. He'd get the ball up, and all of a sudden he was getting hit or he was walking people. Yesterday, he just continued to pound zones despite what the umpire was calling. And as you mentioned, he got the ground ball outs, and, and that's how he works. So being obsessed with making sure he didn't walk as many people this year as he did last year, I think it's something that you can tell he's really focused on. Yeah, we'll see Adam Wainwright, Carlos Martinez tomorrow. We'll see KK tomorrow as well. Apparently that groin discomfort isn't anything that will sideline him long-term. Had a bullpen earlier this week when he was scratched from his Monday start that went well. And then the next group of guys is really intriguing, Klebs. You've got Daniel Ponce de Leon, who pitched again today for the third time. Ponce has been, I think, one of the best arms in camp so far for the Cardinals. John Gant and Austin Gomber, who both pitched on Sunday. Both were very good. Gomber was as good as we've seen him in a long Period. time. And Alex Reyes, who's been electric in his last couple of outings after struggling to find some command his first time out. Yeah, once he got the command under control, whew, his breaking ball yesterday, Chris, was as good as I've seen. And he was throwing it more than we've seen. He was. And, you know, he was kind of pitching backwards. You know, he didn't show the fastball as much. But he had everybody on guard for his breaking ball, and they couldn't do anything with it now. The, the challenge that he still will deal with is pitching around trouble. You know, he made one mistake and it cost him a run. But overall, I really like his development and his improvement. So, you know, when it's all said and done, man, there, there aren't many flaws in this whole approach that we're seeing. Here, pause for a second, man. What works best for you right now or like in 10 minutes? Just pull up a chair. You can learn something here. Now, we're going to do, we're finishing up something, then, like we'll do you. Minutes, then we'll do you. Yeah, just sit down and read the paper. Yeah. Five minutes would be great because we're going to finish. But you can chill if you want. Right. Yeah, maybe even only two or three minutes. All right. <clears throat> so certainly a lot of pitching options. Uh, we know that Miles Michaelis is is still sidelined. Klebs, any concerns about Andrew Miller? He was warming up earlier yes. this week. He could not get a good feel for the baseball. I was on the call with Kyle last Friday where he hit the first two guys that he saw, walked a third, and then looked pretty good after that. But what do you make of this? I know it's early. Uh, Mike Schultz said today that, as far as the tests they did without getting into specifics, nothing out of the ordinary, but certainly a road bump for Miller right now. I am concerned. Uh, whenever I hear pitchers saying they can't feel it, you know, you think maybe is there a nerve issue or something along the line uh, that eventually evolves into something else. 
So at this time of the year, when they tell me things like that, yeah, I'm concerned because most of the time when they say something like that, it, it's worse, and he's out longer a longer period of time. So, yeah, I'm concerned. But if there is a bright cloud of this is the fact that they have some capable left-handed pitchers that have certainly proven that they're worth so far in spring training. Yeah, they do. Tyler Webb's been really, really good. Brett Cecil has looked better. And, you know, from the right side, especially at the back end of the bullpen, Junior Fernandez pitched again today. He's been electric. His stuff is is so, so good. We'll hear from Mike Shelton in just a moment, Claves, but he was asked, and we spoke earlier this week, about kind of what you need in a closer. Do you need someone who's done it before? Do you need uh, one guy? Do you need to know right now who that guy is? Jordan Hicks, you hope, will be back without any incident uh, sooner rather than later. But as far as leaving spring training, where do you place having a closer and knowing who that guy is on your list of priorities? I think it's important to have somebody who's done it, but I think it's also important for somebody to learn how to do it. I think the direction that this ball club may go in might be more than one guy who can close, I, especially with the three batter minimum and the, and the things that you, that go around it. You may have to have a closer come in in the seventh or eighth inning to save your ball game more than the ninth inning, so you may need two. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals have – the manager and Mike Shelton and the coaching staff to be able to navigate that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And and I'm good with that because I think it keeps everybody on guard. And you develop players along the way to eventually close in, in down the stretch in, in situations because I think, Chris, we've all been around long enough to know that very few pitchers survive an entire season when you work out of the bullpen. So you better have some ample arms that can do some things as well. When we come back, we'll visit with Rick Ankiel, Cardinals broadcaster and a part of the Cardinals staff down here in spring training. That's next. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. On June 13th, head to Bush Stadium for Kenny Chesney, featuring Florida Georgia Line, Old Dominion, and Michael Franti. Tickets are available at cardinals.com slash Chesney. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and we hand it back over to Mike Claiborne, who's standing by with a Cardinal and Jupiter, Florida fixture. Well, Rick Ankiel is our guest, and first of all, it's good to see you, sir. It's nice to see you back in a uniform. It's really nice to be back in a uniform, and it's good to be seen. How'd you get back involved? I know you, you stepped away for a bit, and I know you worked for a couple of organizations more on a mental side, but being back in uniform and actually learning the game again is something I know you wanted to do. Yeah, I think it's important. Um, you know, I'm still doing TV with Fox Midwest, but the game is changing, and I just want to understand, you know, what it is that these guys are trying to accomplish, what they're trying to execute, um, what is different about it, how they're using the analytics, um, how I can use the analytics to help them help me as an announcer help anybody that i work with and just you know really try to get a good look at what's what's happening to the game what's the biggest change you've seen i I know you've only been on this for a little while but i see a lot of things that have changed since when you played so i know you you're even closer to it than me i think the way the game is played is just a little bit different um you know when you start looking at pitchers you know it doesn't seem like guys really set guys up as much anymore but more maybe they take their two best pitches that they got and they're just going to fire match you in the zone regardless. Mm-hmm. There is no setup pitch. It's just kind of here you go, me versus you. Um, so I, I don't know if it's better or worse. It's, it's just different. But it, there's a di- 
I would say there's more things than that, too. It's just the way that the game is evolving. I mean, everything does. Everything changes. And for me, like I said, I just want to get close enough to it to understand it, to be able to help these guys move forward. What's the hitter's approach? I know you just talked about what pitchers do, but yeah. what, do, what do hitters do? Everybody seems like they want to jack for the fence. Uh, I don't see guys having the ability to move runners. Well, they have the ability. Mm -hmm. They just don't utilize the, the, the skill of moving a runner along and giving themselves up. It definitely seems like the mindset is try to do damage. Um, and the same with them, right? They're not really up there trying to set a guy up. They're up there trying to do damage on the first pitch they get that's in a zone that they can do damage with. You know, I think back, you know, back in the days and not even that long ago, but when I was playing, you know, you were kind of taught to, to set guys up, maybe necessarily don't jump on that first pitch fastball, depending on the where the game was and what was going on. But, you know, anymore, like I said, if that ball's in an area that they think they can do damage on, they want these guys to pull the trigger and put a good swing on it. Where's the game going from here? Um, the analytics have found its place. Uh, players are wrestling with it. Coaches are wrestling with it. Managers are wrestling with it. But what do you see next? I don't think the analytics are going anywhere. I think they're here to stay. I, I think what I've seen so far is um, when you start looking at these young guys and watch them utilize the analytics, like they're actually able to compute it. Um, I think with some of the older players, you know, it can get overwhelming if you let it, depending on what you're looking at and how you're using it. But, you know, I've seen more than a, a few guys, especially the young guys, to be able to take that information and implement it in their game skills and be able to make it work for them. Do they do too much thinking at this point? I mean, you were a natural guy. You just let your hands do all the work and you had an approach, yeah. obviously. But, you know, with all the information that they have now, I think I see a lot of guys doing a lot more guessing and a lot more thinking because they have too much information in some cases. I think it's really up to the to the guy. Um, you know, I think some guys like anything, right? We can we can just use it a little bit too much like anything in life um, and the key is to try to have balance and understand who you are and what you can take to use for your game and not to let it overwhelm you all right as a broadcaster how you've been doing it now for a couple of years and how much fun are you having with it and what did you learn about the game from where you sit upstairs compared to being in the dugout <laughs> well i can tell you being upstairs um it looks easy and it's not easy and then you know one thing about being in the dugout and being close to the game you are reminded of how hard the game is and how fast it can how fast it goes when you're in it you know when you're sit i feel like when i'm sitting upstairs or i'm watching a game on tv i see a guy swinging a high fastball you think ah come on you know why are you swing at that but you get down here and the speed of the game especially as hard as guys are throwing now um it's not easy and then you got to remember that these guys are out here grinding every single day right so they're there's more than not they're not going to be 100% healthy, so there's times that they got to play when they're hurt and you know, make the best they can, you know, do the best they can do with that. And we have to understand that as broadcasters and as fans. You know, you talk about playing hurt. I mean, they say your body's never the same once you put your foot in the batter's box once because there's always an ailment. The good players find a way to play through it. The good players find a way not to make that as an excuse. And the good players learn how to play with it compared to fight it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, even looking back at you know, my career and watching guys who I thought were the best. And I'll just, you know, I'll give you an example of Albert Pujols. You know, when he wasn't feeling right or he wasn't seeing the ball, he would slow it down and be able to go three for four with three singles. But I think that speaks to his talent, right? Because most of the good guys, when they're not seeing the ball, it's over four with four punch outs and they're hoping to get a walk out of it. Um, but, you know, those are just the special talented guys that, that can that figure that out. All right, you have great success with the book that people can still find and read, which is one of my favorite reads, uh, the movie. Where are you at with the movie, and have you found somebody to play me yet? Um, I thought you were going to play you. I can. Okay. I can. I want yeah. it to be authentic, yeah, so yeah, I need, yeah, I need yeah, you <laughs> in there. Um, we have somebody writing a script, uh, taking a shot at it at least, and um, 
you know, we'll see what that looks like when they get it down on paper and we start to adjust things and just see what it is. All right, I'll just do a cameo, just like a walk by or something like that. Perfect. Right. Thanks, sir. It's always good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Flaherty made his third start of the Grapefruit League schedule today, and he'll join us next. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you in Jupiter, Florida at Cardinals Spring Training. And we hand it back over to Claibs, who's standing by with the Cardinals opening day starter. We have a chance to visit with Cardinal pitcher Jack Flaherty, who is in the midst of spring training. So give me your assessment of Jack Flaherty and how he's faring so far. I think he's doing all right. Um, you know, some things to iron out. You know, searching a little bit for things here and there instead of just going out, relaxing, and, and playing the game. Uh, trying to maybe trying to do a little bit too much uh, instead of just relaxing and letting the game come to him. When you look at how things work in spring training, do you go through different levels where you work on this for a while, you work on mechanics, you work on a different pitch where it, it comes like in different segments throughout the course of spring training? You know, the early part of spring, you're trying to iron your things out. You know, you throw as many bullpens as you want in the offseason. You feel great. And then you get here and it's a whole different animal. It's a whole different ball game. You know, a lot of that's just getting your arm in shape and getting feel for stuff. But you get here and you get a guy in that box and things change and you just want to compete. So you, so you find your times where you're always competing, but you find your times where you're working on your stuff, and then you'll, you might work on a mechanical thing or you work on you know one pitch you want to work on in certain situations. So you find ways to, to mix things in, and then at the end of the day, you get into a spot. And you, you, got, you also got to work on getting guys out. That's, that's one of the things. You can work on things all you want, but you, you got to work on getting guys out and, and executing your pitches. Do you try and find a way not to show your good stuff or show what you're working on against teams that you're going to face maybe a month or two down the road? I know some pitchers used to love to face guys in the American League that they knew they weren't going to see. But in your situation, because of how we're set up, you're seeing a lot of National League teams. So how do you try and make sure you don't open up the kitchen where everybody can get a look and also be able to work on some things that you want to save for the season? I think that's where you work on your sequences and, and find other ways to, to get guys out that may not be traditional. But at the end of the day, you you still got to get guys out and you got to get through innings. You got to get your pitch count up. So, And you got to hold on to those ways of getting guys out. So you know, maybe it's a matter of you know, you're working on your strengths as opposed to going at somebody's weaknesses more so in, uh, in spring. You mentioned sequences. That's Has that changed a lot since you come into the game where I see guys working backwards a lot more than what I used to uh, or what I would look at as being traditional? How do you see it now at this stage in your career? I think guys are just figuring figuring themselves out, you know, whatever it is. Um, whatever works for you as a pitcher and whatever you got to do to get guys out, I think that's that's the way – that's what you got to do. Um, I don't know that it's that it's changed. I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to getting guys out, whatever, whatever way you can do that. What's the one pitch you really feel good about these days? I mean, you've certainly been able to master some in the early stage of your career, but what's one that you work on and one that you can't wait to use a little bit more, or one you'll start to have more confidence in? Just whatever pitch I'm throwing in that certain situation. You know, we talk a lot about conviction, and we talk about. You know, believing in every pitch that you throw and trusting yourself. And, you know, trusting your stuff is one of the hardest things to do. So just any pitch that I throw in any given situation, um, just having the confidence to throw it and throw it with conviction. So I'm excited about everything. When it comes to that conviction element, is that more of a thing where if Yachty puts it down or something you've said to him before, hey, I had a good bullpen, this pitch was working for me, how do you 
determine when you want to throw that pitch, especially when you say, I've got the confidence to now throw it? Uh, you just got to know yourself. You got to know where your head's at. You got to understand the situation, understand, you know, if you've been working on something or whatnot, but just understand the situation. And I know you got to find times to throw it and find times where you, you have that conviction behind what you, what you want to throw. And, you know, trust, trust Yad. You know, he's, he's a really easy guy to trust. And so is Weeder. So as long as up there on the mound, if what he throws down, you have conviction behind it, you throw it. I look at that clubhouse and I look at all the pitching in that clubhouse and you've been in the league for a short period of time, but there's a lot of big league experience in this clubhouse. And these are guys in a lot of cases that haven't even found their groove yet. Yeah, we got a lot of arms. We got a lot of guys who are really, really good. They got really, really good stuff. Um, and it's just a matter of figuring out how to use it and use your stuff. So it's exciting to see. It feels like a new new day every single time out. There's there's a new guy out there, and you just kind of look up and you go, wow. Um, that's always fun to see. Yeah, for you, I know you put a lot of work in in your own game, but what guys have caught your eye when you've watched them throw a bullpen of where you sit in the dugout? Uh, see, I mean, seeing Cabrera, Cabrera throw all the time um, with the stuff that he's got, it, it's it's fun to watch. Uh you know, Helsley's fun to watch. Um, you know, seeing Libertor the other day, he, he's he's got some, he's got good stuff. Thompson, um, really everybody we've thrown out there. Whitley the other day, uh, every, everybody we've thrown out there though, there's never been there, every every guy. It's just like, dang, you know, he's got he's got it. He's got the stuff. For you, an incredible second half of the season. I know you've taken that and tried to build on it. What Do you set goals for yourself at this point, or do you just say, I want to be good today? I think I've been asked that a lot. You know, what are your goals? What do you, how do you improve? You don't, you don't man. It's simply put. But what you can improve on, you can't go out and try to improve on the numbers. And that's what you can't improve on is the day in, day out, the routine, the work the the mental state the the passion behind the game your process you know the way you read hitters the way you go about your your prep work and routine that's the stuff that improves and gets better you know and that's the stuff that's going to take care of everything else because you look at the second half what it, all that stuff just got better and that's all that's what gives gets better for you i'm going to talk about something else you like to do and that's swing the bat how much have you done that and how much have you tried to work on that because you know let's face it you can swing the bat in this game you can stay in a ball game a lot longer yeah the more you can handle the bat the more you can do little things like that whether it's bunt or swing the bat or you know get put together a good at bat you get that other that extra chance to stay in the game you know a situation you get to stay in the game a little bit longer so you know we work at it every day you know we, we make some adjustments here and there uh, I'm eager to get in there and just see some actual pitching and kind of see where we're at. Yeah, I mean, at some point they're going to quit throwing 60-mile-an-hour fastballs too. you're going to have to adjust a little bit. Maybe it's going to have a little wiggle to it as well. Yeah, at some point it ain't just going to be BP. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's an eager time to kind of get in there and see uh, just see where we're at. You know, it's, it's, always, it's always fun. Opening day starter, Jack Flaherty. That's quite an honor. That's cool. It's a... Uh, it's cool, you know, really though, it's just the first, you know, I just get the first chance to go out and pitch and go out and set the tone for the team. Well, set a good one this year. Thanks for the time and best of luck, sir. Always, Clibs. Cardinals single game tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The upcoming season is filled with great matchups, including two Cubs weekends, a rare weekend series with the New York Yankees, and more. Get yours at cardinals.com. Dr. Robert Butler of the Cardinals staff joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. 
Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. For the very best in Cardinals coverage, it's Cardinals Magazine. Subscribe for two years and receive the exclusive Yadier Molina bobblehead or one year and receive two free home game tickets. Order at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash publications. Welcome back in as we continue from Jupiter, Florida. We head back across the street and inside the Cardinals facility. And once again, hand it back over to Mike Claiborne. Robert Butler is the director of performance for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he is our guest, and we always look forward to talking to him. Dr. Butler, you and I talk every year about performance, and each year I'm amazed at how much progress is made. So talk a little bit about, A, performance on the professional level and what you're in charge of these days. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's great to be on. Um, you know, I think the the really exciting thing that happened, and it was really this off season, is that you're, you're you're starting to walk into different sessions and seeing a lot of staff work around um, players and work with players, and not necessarily knowing other than looking at maybe a jersey or the pants, what that role that coach is. All you see is is staff supporting a player to make that player better. And I think that a lot that really the main goal of what we do with the performance department from strength conditioning, medical, nutritional side is to really hopefully make the coach's job easier at doing the coaching stuff. So if he doesn't have the grip strength, he doesn't have the movement or whatever, well, let's work on that some of foundational stuff so that what we have left on the table is the skill piece of it. And so the, the coaches with kind of their their vision and goal of getting that movement better or that uh, spin better or velo better, whatever it is, can really be as efficient as possible, kind of creating that, that coaching um, uh the, the coaching goal and so that's really been some of a lot of where we've kind of um dovetailed to this offseason as you see just more players or staff understanding what the information is and how the information applies and honestly you know what a lot of it is what information you don't have to worry about or pay attention to you know it's amazing how much information is out there and it takes a while I would, it takes a while for you to disseminate the information and then actually take what you really need that's going to actually apply day to day no, that, there, there's no doubt about it. I, I would, um, I, I think, you know, it was, it was great hearing Bill James speak at the Baseball Writers' Dinner. And, you know, there, there are two things that really that really stuck out to me. Um, one was a lot of this stuff doesn't matter unless you have a motivated player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's obviously a part of it. And, you know, there's an amazing competitive environment that the coaching staff here has, has built and created that you have those motivated players. But then the other thing... Uh, Bill James said was the majority of stuff we do doesn't work and so <laughs> so it takes time to figure out you know if 95% of what you do doesn't work or doesn't apply that means you've gone yeah. through a lot to find out what those things are but then those things you have are meaningful and help you actually connect with the players connect with the staff to figure out how can we maximize the development and the interaction of this player to really create elite baseball development and baseball success to bring world championships to St. Louis. I want to talk about rest. And rest is everything from getting a good night's sleep to get, staying off your feet and the things you do between games or activities. How much has that changed and how much new information have you guys come across to find things that fit for each individual? Because everybody isn't the same. You know, it's, it's, I think we, t- we talk about this pretty, pretty well each spring. Um, and I think the important thing with rest is that it's so individual. Mm-hmm. But also some of the components is that it's really simple. 
it's it's a lot it's it's not different than nutrition it's just it's getting the foundational stuff right are you sleeping in a cool room right are you taking a are you are you having some time off your phone or off a device to minimize your brain activity to let you let you get into a retro state before you do that um and so some of those foundational things are really making the player aware that it's a lot more accessible like if they're having a bad night's sleep one we want to know because we want to make we want to we assume players have a good night of rest before they come in. If they did not, we would like to do something different to make sure that we not make up for that, but at least put them in the best possible state to be, to be as pro- have as productive as a day as a baseball player in the development process at whatever point in time they are. And that can be in July when they're in Beloit, Wisconsin, or that can be right now in Jupiter, Florida, um, to figure out how do we maximize what they get out of that day. Um, but honestly, a lot of what rest comes down to is what's your hydration been like? What's your nutrition look like? And really, are you putting yourself in a state that one, values rest, right? Um, and that also makes it a priority. Like it's almost, it's, it's almost another tool in their, in their toolbox. Because when we look at other sports and, and you know, the majority of published literature is on either soccer or um, rugby, just because they're from, uh, just being in Australia or Europe, they have just more university connections. And even if you look at other sports, there's not a sport where you have to show up every day and compete. And yeah, you get a rest day off here or there, don't get me wrong, but really the majority of days you gotta be ready to go. And so how do you, what's your model for what that focus is? How many professions, period, mm-hmm. let alone yeah. elite sporting activities. And so it's really all about player education, that player connection, not them understanding to focus on the fundamentals so that we can figure out, hey, listen, and how are things going? To make sure that we keep players at, because if a player is fatigued, they're not going to learn as fast. If a player is fatigued, they're not going to produce as much power. So we want them. All those things have to be in line or learn as well, right? So we want all those things to be in line to really maximize every day these players get, so they can maximize their development. All right, give me the the, the three basic things to rest and sleep yep. because that's so essential. And you know, we hear you got to get eight hours. You know, well, I can't get eight hours. Sure. In, but, but so, what are the three things that you have to have working for you in order to make sure you have a good, a good chance at a good night's sleep? So I, I think the most important thing is to figure out when you have to be up tomorrow mm-hmm. and to work back from that. I think too often we get to the end of the night and like, okay, I got to wake up and whatever. Well, it's not a problem. And this is, it's just more of when you think about your schedule, you can't stay on the same schedule in the spring as you're going to use during the year. Game times are different, right? right? Your day's different. You get to bed later. We always kind of joke that um, for the players that are, that are here during spring training, you know, Gary LaRock, director of player development has, you know, this is your curfew. And I always joke, you can go to bed earlier, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's an option, right? Majority of guys will get in, then they'll have their time, they'll be playing games or whatever, talking to their girlfriends. And, and it's more of just prioritizing that as a goal. So when you, if you want to get your rest, make sure you work back, right? And then maybe some of the more obvious things, don't drink coffee or ca- don't have a high amount of caffeine. We call it 45 milligrams, um, cup of coffee after 2 p.m., right? Um, Make sure you're well hydrated. And then if you're really in a bad state, make sure you're not napping after t- after that 2 o'clock period as well. And if you are going to nap, make sure it's really short doses and you almost set your timer for 20 to 25 minutes to make sure that you're not getting into – your body doesn't sink. It's in a sleep cycle, which is not yet. It's later. And so sometimes setting that 20 to 25-minute alarm, if you're going to doze off a little bit, isn't a problem. But don't let that turn into a 45-hour-minute nap where now your body starts resetting its clock for what it needs for the next day. See, that's what I try and do 
during the day, during the season, is get 20 minutes, 25 minutes of quiet. Uh, because you're right. If you roll over, man, it's an hour, and next thing you know, you can't get to sleep that night, and your clock is all messed up, and, and you're in a bad way for two or three days. Yeah. No doubt. And I think that that's, that is probably the thing that's maybe misunderstood the most when guys come up. is like, oh, I'll just take a nap. Oh, I'll just go back to sleep. Well, let's think about what that looks like and where your schedule is and what your day looks like, whether you're playing today. Um, and the other thing we'll do, it's, it's, it's that – often with players is it takes about the same it takes about that 20 to 25 minutes to actually have caffeine cross the blood brain barrier and so often we'll have with guys which is somewhat counterintuitive if they come in or they didn't sleep well the night before hey come in get a little nap but make sure you have a cup of coffee or a, a, a caffeine supplement beforehand so that when you actually wake up on the other side of the nap you'll have that boost of energy actually carry you through and get you moving in the right direction um but i, I do think that sometimes over napping can lead to more recovery issues than actually help. That's a great point you make. We're visiting with Dr. Robert Butler. He is the director of performance for the St. Louis Cardinals. What's the most common mistake you see that people do when it comes to A, getting rest, B, being prepared? Because you touched on fatigue, and you can be fatigued and not even know it. I mean, just things don't start to seem to be as sharp. So what are some of the, the common things you see that, today? I think the most common thing with fatigue is people thinking – that just because they're not working out or they're not doing exercise that they shouldn't be fatigued. I have a background in, in coaching, and some of my most fatiguing times is just coaching a session. And I can be out there. I can be active. But probably the more fatiguing is when you're evaluating something. And so that mental fatigue, that mental energy, it's an important part of the process. And, it, you know, I don't think it's any different than, you know, one of the things that, that we've been trying to get people to get a sense of and is uh is what their activity level is when they're just doing their job because sometimes that can count as exercise right you know, you know sometimes you don't have to necessarily get all the other piece in because i mean i think the hardest part with exercise is getting into that routine or that that extra 25 minutes which actually turns into another hour because you gotta, you gotta put on the right stuff you gotta take the right stuff off you gotta get the water bottle you gotta do all the other stuff as opposed to hey listen let's within your day what actually creates a good active healthy lifestyle so just understanding what that is. But my sense is that when, when, when we have that hard time of evaluating what fatigue looks like, I mean, you know, there's a reason when I talked to my, um, my wife early on about, you know, I got the weekend with the kids. Well, let's survive in advance, right? Like it's <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't be putting in a lot of Chuck E. Cheese or, or trips to here or there. Like I'm a survive in advance dad, right? Like I, we'll go to a park. We'll make sure that everyone's inside the domain, but uh, we'll take a couple balls and whatever, maybe go to the beach or, but, but let's, you know, it's, it's a different interaction. And the majority of that is because paying attention at that level, interacting at that level, it's, it's an energy drain and it, not good or bad. It's, it's part of, it's part of, um, it's part of the role of the day and whatever it may be, but but to pretend that it's it's easy or, or not taxing would would just be you know it would work myself into thinking that that, that wasn't a meaningful workload and that mental piece of it I think is probably one of the, the the less understood or less appreciated part of of what can really drive fatigue. You work with uh, a lot of all of the trainers within the organization. That's an industry that continues to evolve into something we haven't seen before with everything that they need to be certified to be able to do. We've come a long way from just doing a figure eight wrap on an ankle, haven't we? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think when you look at the athletic training industry and, you know, they are the emergency responders that are on the field on a daily basis and that, that we have out 
at all of the different uh, training sessions and, and at all the games. Um, and, but really, when you think about their day now, the game is, is in a very important and very critical part of their day. But what they do before and then afterwards related to recovery and the communication with the manager, communication with the, um, with the coaches, and then communication with the strength conditioning coaches and, and all the doctors, it's, it's, they, they really, you know, they're a very important cog in the day and, and the development of each player to make sure that they, you know, they do a lot of work related to uh, pre- injury prevention for, for all players, not just, you know, typically think about, oh, I'll do arm care for our pitchers to keep them on board well no it's really like you think about the amount of arm work that's needed related to outfield catchers whatever like it's really taking care of the the entire team and so they've they've got they've got a role that is uh it's very different than than um you know maybe 10 15 years ago or traveling secretary slash athletic trainer mm-hmm. you know it's really the they are the certified athletic trainers we have really perform at an exceptional level and are and a very integral part of, the, of, of that player development process when you think about keeping guys healthy to let them maximize their development on the field We'll wrap the first hour of the show when we come back. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Wrapping up hour one of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin on another Wednesday night in Jupiter, Florida. Chris Raby alongside Mike Claiborne. Hey, let's give away another Cardinal calendar. That's right. It's the official Cardinal 2020 calendar featuring the regular season and spring training schedules and more. We'll give one away right now to caller number three at 314-531-1120. You will win a Cardinals 2020 calendar. All right, a big thanks to all of our guests here in the first hour of the program. Thank you to Jack Flaherty. Thank you also to Rick Ankeel and Dr. Robert Butler. When we come back, Ben Fredrickson at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Colton Wong, Dylan Carlson, and Homers for Health, as there is another year of one of the best campaigns around coming to Bush Stadium and the St. Louis Cardinals this year. That's all coming up on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne. With you, Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, back in our network studios. And we're back with more after this break right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here to swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. The Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Kicking off hour two of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you. On the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch standing by. He'll join us momentarily. Cardinals single-game tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The upcoming season is filled with great matchups, including two Cubs weekends, a rare weekend series with the New York Yankees, and more. Get yours at cardinals.com. Made your way down to Florida, man. How have the first couple of days been? Pretty good. feel like I've got my feet underneath me. I'm late to the party, but uh, happy to be here. You guys are... I get jealous when you guys get down here before me, and I'm having to watch all the fun from back home. Well, it's good to have you here for sure. Well, uh, Claves has been here since Boxing Day. Yeah, I've been here since. <laughs> I've yeah. been here a long time. Claves has had has had more good dinners down here since spring training started than I'll have all year. You're right. You're. I, 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 I really do mean that, and it's not close. 
It's not, but you know, it's a great <laughs> setup. But you know what? For us, and one of the neat things about having you on today is, you know, when the season starts, we're always going in opposite directions trying to cover this and do that. But this is a time for us all to kind of get together and bond and, and really talk about what's in front of us uh, with respect to the season and what we learned from last year. So I'll ask you these two questions. What did you take away from how the season ended to what you wanted to see coming into spring training? Well, I think the, the strengths of this team are obvious, and I think they've there's a good chance they've gotten stronger. Uh, these guys are going to pitch. I think their rotation is good. I think their bullpen could be very special. And they've got depth in starters and, and relievers. I mean, you look around the league and you see some of the injuries the Cardinals have had. You know, you've got Miles Michaelis with the forearm. You've got Andrew Miller now with some stuff going on where he can't get the right feel in his hands. And if you put those problems on another club, there'd be people freaking out. Yeah. And here at Cardinals yeah. camp, it's kind of like, well, this isn't good, but there's a lot of there are a lot of guys who could step up for a short amount of time or for a long amount of time if that's needed. I don't think many teams have that kind of talented depth. And then the defense, I think, is going to be even better. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, just this week what Colton Wong, we were reminded of what Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung, the chemistry they have. Um, you know, the, their defense is going to be elite. I think the big question is, is going to be the runs. And, and you look, the offense has been has been good so far in camp, but if you look at who's doing the damage and who's who's making the magic, it's been a lot of the young guys, which isn't rare for spring training. Guys are hungry to prove themselves that sometimes it takes veterans a little bit longer to get going. They maybe don't have as many at-bats, but I think the, the Cardinals are going to be a great pitching team with a stellar defense, and the question is going to be can they – can they create enough offense? And that's kind of what we saw at the end of the season. They were good enough to get to the CS, and they got there, and, you know, the, the offense hit one of its its ruts. It did get better in the second half, but they've lost some things from it. I mean, they, Marcelo Zuna was not a, uh, a cookie-cutter cleanup hitter. He was not one of the best in the in the league, but he was one of the most reliable hitters on this team. And I, I, so I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be the, a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of angst about the offense, and I would encourage people not to forget the things on the other side of that that are going to balance it out. Which they're not going to give up many runs, and they're going to steal some on defense. They're going to beat some teams two to one. Yes, uh, it, it runs will be hard to come by. Does it concern you? And you touched on something about veterans take a little longer. Dexter Fowler is one for seventeen. And if you think back to last year in the postseason, he was, what, one for the month almost. Does that concern you at that point, this point, or do you feel like a guy who's been around as long as he has will figure it out and be able to make a contribution? I think it is concerning. Um, I, I don't think that – Because he's not even taking good swings down no, here. No, it doesn't look good and has not looked good. He's, he's seeing a lot of pitches. He's working the counts, which that's kind of a strength of his, you know, the on-base percentage. But, look, you'd like to see – You'd like to see a guy soon start to lock in a little bit. Um, Dexter's, you know, this is a conversation that, that you know, we've had for spring trainings forever. How much value do we put into a veteran's highs and lows during spring? Um, Dexter's in a little bit of a unique situation because he hasn't had, he hasn't had the best of years. Now, he was better last year, but better from a career-worst season. So one of the things to me the most interesting discussion going on in this camp and early on this season will be the way the Cardinals walk this line. They have said to the fans that our young outfielders can be an answer offensively, that we're going to create playing time for these guys. And I think the fans, you know, they can get behind that because they've seen some of the talent. They've seen Dylan Carlson, Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill. What if the, the competition blooms and it's bigger than just left field? 
you know, how, how, what does Dexter Fowler have to do to keep this from the, becoming not just a discussion about who plays in left, but, but should he feel pressure in right? Um, I don't think he's at risk of losing his starting job in spring training. I do think he could significantly shorten the amount of wiggle room he has if he if he struggles once the season starts. And one thing I think is interesting is that, you know, Schilt has been hitting him pretty low in the lineup. He was um, better there last year, though. I think that's going to be something we see. And if you're going, you're down in the lineup and you have a bad spring, then, then I think the discussion about how much time does he have to fight off a guy like, you know, Elaine Thomas or, or Dylan Carlson, I think that's going to be something that is probably louder than he wants it to be, but performance is going to dictate at the end of the day. Or what about Tommy Edmond, too? And you throw Matt Carpenter yep. into that same mix. If Carpenter produces, whose leash is longer, perhaps, Carpenter or Fowler? I don't know if that's a fair question. It could be apples and oranges, but, you know, we keep talking about Edmund as this jack-of-all-trades guy, but, you know, I don't see many positions that are going to be open every day. So could you start with Edmund and Carlson both starting every day in the outfield? Uh, start the season? No, I don't think Carlson's going to start the season in St. Louis, and even if he should, even though he's showing well, what if he somebody really, really stinks it up other than Fowler? What if O'Neill or Bader... Just go south. Well, even outside of that, is your premise for control and service time manipulation reasons, or is it performance reasons? I think it's a combination. Or is of it, it that you I'm think not, Carlson needs let, more time? Let me be clear here. I don't think Carlson should start the season in Memphis. I think he will. I think the I think the Cardinals are are committed to Fowler and Bader, and I think they want to have Tyler O'Neill um, specifically get the first shot out of the gate. And also, yeah, I think there's a service time element to it. The Cardinals have been pretty good about not making service time a reason to hold guys back. You know, Jordan Hicks is an example of they a guy. You don't have guys reach free agency. Right. So, but I, I think this could be a situation where because they have O'Neal, because they have Lane Thomas, they, they're going to, you know, really try to find those guys' chances no matter what Carlson does. Now, Carlson's done a great job of forcing the issue. If camp ends today and Carlson's not on the team, then then all right, that I don't get it. And I think a lot of people will, will share that share that opinion. Totally. And if he keeps this up, then he's going to continue to force their hand. He's got to make it so clear that there will be a minor revolt in St. Louis if he's not on the team. And that's yeah. how these things happen, right? And, you know, it's just going to be the same thing with, with, with Dexter Fowler. It's going to be the same thing with Matt Carpenter. Someone will have to play so good, perhaps in limited sample sizes, that they force a the Cardinals to make a decision they don't want but, to make. They don't want to sit down. Dexter Fowler. They don't want to sit down Matt Carpenter. They paid these guys a lot of money, and both are not just under contract this year, but the next year. So a combination of those guys not performing or someone else making it so obvious that they are a better option is going to be what has to force the Cardinals to make a decision that they're going to kick down the road as far as they possibly can. But I don't know if the Cardinals have responded to fan pressure as much as we think. And I think the most recent one was the Arnado discussion. You know, there were there were fans willing to drive anybody to the airport in order to get him <laughs> into sure. St. Louis. I thought yeah. Zach Wheeler was was Cy Young reincarnated exactly. last year at the deadline. So the Cardinals have made, remained steadfast on maintaining their policies on how they approach things, and I think patience is at the top of that list. But with that said, when you have the emergence of Acuna Jr. and Soto, two young 20-year-old guys that really carry their ball clubs, uh, and you look at Carlson, he doesn't, it, there's not a box he doesn't check. 
you might say, well, maybe if we're going to roll the dice on a guy, maybe this is the one. Now we got to figure out what to do with a $60, $80 million worth of contracts that we don't know what to do with. I'm with you, man. It's hard for me to square the Cardinals saying we're going to create opportunities for our young outfielders, and then they don't take the best one that proved it all camp. And last camp, mind you. I mean, look what Dylan Carlson did last camp. So I, I, I predict. Along with Tommy Edmond, along pre- with Randy Rosarena. I predict that he will not be in St. Louis to start the season. I hope that I'm wrong. But he'll be up quickly. what you've seen from him, man, he's ready. See, um, I've, and he's I, jumping at the opportunity. He's he's He can do it from both sides. He just does the little things right, um, and clearly he's an exciting player. So sooner rather than later would be what I would hope to see. Yes, yeah, see, I feel like especially with the division and maybe a soft spot in the division that we haven't seen. Um, you know, right now he's clearly been one of one of the best players. It just becomes a balancing act in terms of if Mike Schilt and his staff are, are given that tool in their toolbox. And we've seen Mike Schilt not be afraid to sit guys or not be afraid to make tough decisions, almost similar to Craig Berube and some of the buttons he pushes and some of the lineup decisions that he makes. And, you know, that's why I think, like, if given the option, he'll he'll play every day. And, and I think, Edmund, it's fair to wonder about him, too, because we keep saying, oh, he could be this kind of Ben Zobris type. But, like, who's going to sit? You're the best. You're a better <laughs> version of your team, I think, right now, if Tommy Edmund's playing every day. Yeah, I agree. I know your middle infield's not sitting. I know Paul Goldschmidt's not sitting. You know, so where does he play? Are you really mixing and matching in the outfield? Well, that's the the question. It's it's easy to say we're going to get Tommy Edmund a starter's yeah. amount of at bats, but, but where tough. do they come from? Where does well, he play? Well, I think it comes down to this. I think it comes down to your analytic department finding out the best matchups yeah. he'll face against certain pitchers, and what guy in the lineup isn't doesn't face that pitcher well. That's a great point. And also, too, let's acknowledge the elephant in the room. Somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. And whoever gets hurt, there goes Edmund. And and all of a sudden, Tommy Edmund's not Ben Zobrist. He's the starting, you know, the starting right fielder, or he's the starting third baseman, depending on who, who has, you know, who has injury issues. I mean, you look at some of the ups and downs the guys on this team have had. I mean, when when Colton Wong gets, you know, the hamstring pull, which I hope it doesn't happen, but but history tells us it could happen. Then Edmund goes to second base. So I think the the Cardinals aren't going to sit around and say, hey, we're waiting for someone to get injured before Edmund becomes an everyday starter at one spot, but. But we can use, you know, we can use our experience to know that that's very likely to happen at some point, too. Ben Fredrickson, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can read them in the paper and online at stltoday.com. Last thing. So right now, if you had to say who right now your start, who you think the starting outfield will be opening day in Cincinnati. Who I think it will be? Yeah, give it to me. Oh, I'm, I'm not predicting what I would make, I'm, but, but I think it will be. I think it will be Tyler O'Neill in left with Harrison Bader in center and Dexter Fowler in right field. That's what I think it will be. What about you, Claves? Yeah, I think it will be Bader, O'Neill, Fowler. Um, they're going to give him a chance. Um, I, I think Bader needs to find something before he gets it going. I mean, the strikeouts are starting to pile up a little bit more. Um, you know, I thought the worst thing that could have happened was him hitting the home run the first at bat here in the he spring. He just needs to play here in Port St. Lucie. Yeah, he no crushes kidding. it when he plays against he the Mets. He had a great game last he week. Likes he dropped, New York dropped a bunt down yeah. and, yeah, hit, it, hit a single to left but field. I, I think that he's got to get some consistency going because if he doesn't, Carlson may not start the season. He might not be riding on a, in a truck on opening day, but he'll be here. Once he gets here, he ain't going back. 
I agree with you on that. He's going to play every day when he gets here, too. Hey, that truck ride's a week after we open in Cincinnati, so there could be time for him to get to St. Louis. <laughs> One week. Stop in a truck <laughs> well, that's a, the, the only problem with that, the only downside would be the, the step you take back defensively in center field because we've seen Carlson, um, you know, it, it, not everybody makes center field look as easy as, as Harrison Bader does, and that's why the Cardinals, and I can understand why, they just hope the offense breaks through. Um, you know, I think Lane Thomas is a good center fielder. I don't think anybody in that mix compares to how Harrison Bader plays it. Not close. Yeah. Ben Fredrickson. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Thanks you for bet, jumping guys. in. Great, oh, seeing great you. to see you. Happy to be here. Well, we mentioned Colton Wong, the gold glover. He joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back in Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren continues on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. And for the very best in Cardinals coverage, it's Cardinals Magazine. Subscribe for two years and receive the exclusive Yachty or Molina bobblehead or one year and receive two free home game tickets. Order at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash publications. Let's take a trip back inside the Cardinals clubhouse right now and sit down with the gold glover, Colton Wong. So besides the gold glove, what was the best part of your offseason? Honestly, just being home with the family. This is the first time I had to kind of just be home and, and not really have to leave too much. Usually I would kind of travel to a different island, do some training, travel up here, do some things. And, um, you know, other than going up for the gold glove ceremony, I really didn't travel too much. So it was cool. My regiment goes Monday through Friday. I train. And after Friday's workout, we usually go camping somewhere for the weekend. Kind of getting away from everything, leaving the phones inside and, and just enjoying just being, you know, with nature. <laughs> it's a good feeling, right? It is, man. Honestly, being from Hawaii and, and coming to all these big, you know, stadiums and you know, big places, it's always good to kind of just get back and just kind of reset. So, what kind of uh, campers are you guys? Are you taking a ton of stuff? Are you uh, roughing it, so to speak? I mean, definitely a lot of packing. We probably do at least eight of those six-gallon jugs at least for like a, a weekend, maybe Friday through, come back Sunday. Um, because usually when we, when we camp, there is no water or anything, you know, so you're bringing everything on your, your own. But I'd say we, we more glamp than anything. <laughs> you know, you got to have everything there. Like, I'm not trying to rough it and, and you know, eat little, you know, side snacks and whatnot. My wife and I are out there. Uh, she's cooking up, you know, some lunches for us, like some good lunches, some healthy stuff. So, you know, even though we're camping and having a good time out there, we're still getting ready for the season somewhat, you know, like eating healthy, doing the things that we got to do. So what's she making? Um, you're, so you're, yeah, you're not out there, like, starting a fire with yeah, sticks. No, no, no. We got, like, barbecues <laughs> and stuff that we bring with us. That's nice. Yeah, so it, it's nice, man. It's, it's enjoyable just being out there. My, it's usually, you know, me and my wife, my brother and his girl, and usually my sister, her boyfriend, and some other friends and stuff, so. It's a good time, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll put together. My wife usually makes like some kind of like healthy uh, panini sandwiches for lunch sometimes. Breakfast, we'll do like eggs and like some kind of like breakfast meat. Uh, and dinner, usually like a steak, and um, sometimes they'll even like do some vegetables and whatnot. So it's, it's pretty fun. The guys in that clubhouse with, with what you guys have accomplished over the last couple of years, how would you describe the, the character of, of that room? What's it like? What's the personality of the room like? tell fans what it's like to spend every day with each other from February or even earlier sometimes until yeah. hopefully uh, the beginning of November. Honestly, that's my family in there. You know, other than the family that I have that I was born into, you know, I'm with those guys more than I am with my own wife. You know, so so you build such a strong chemistry with each other, but, you know, the mentality of that clubhouse, man, everyone is coming in with a purpose this year. It's, it's, it's fun to be a part of right now because we're all coming in, you know, no one's messing around. Everyone's, you know, somewhere, you know, doing something to get better and 
you know, guys are in a, you know, in a group talking about situations, you know, about, you know, how they're playing their positions, what, what they can do different. You know, so it's cool, man, the fact that we haven't even started spring training really yet and, you know, seeing everyone with that mentality of, you know, I want to be ready for this season, you know, I want to win a World Series for this season, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to be a part of. Well, what was it like to be a part of the city of St. Louis, the sports city of St. Louis last year as the Blues won the cup and mm -hmm. you guys turn it on and, and win the division and get to the NLCS? Oh. So what was the buzz like in St. Louis last oh, year? Oh, it was amazing, amazing. I mean, you know, having the Blues kind of lead the way and win the, the Stanley Cup just gave us that much more confidence knowing that we wanted to do the same thing. You know, you've seen pictures of how, you know, St. Louis was, was you know, so excited about, you know, the Blues winning there. Stanley Cup, and obviously so, I mean, being the first Stanley Cup that they won, I guess, you know, so, yeah, it was it was one of those things where, you know, being home was, was exciting, you know, you wanted to win for these fans, you wanted to keep the vibe going throughout, you know, St. Louis because it was so high. Speaking of that word, they set the bar pretty high in terms of number of beers consumed on the parade route. <laughs> That's awesome. So in October, November, you guys are going to have some work to do? Oh, man, trust me, if we win a World Series, <laughs> I will challenge them all day. I mean, I might not make it, but hey, for a World Series, I'll do it. How can you describe what it's like to have the taste again of, of the postseason, Colton, have another couple of celebrations of your own in the clubhouse yeah. uh, as you guys made your way through, and then balancing the excitement, the fun of that with the disappointment of not being the one team that's not disappointed at the end of the year? How mm -hmm. do you use that in the offseason? Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you fail in this game, it's always fuel to the fire how I look at it. You know, regardless if it's personal or, or team-based, you know, whenever you come up short of your goal, it just always gives you more motivation going to the next spring training or going to that offseason knowing that I want to just, you know, get better. How am I going to get better? Then I start breaking down my game and seeing what can I do to help this team? You know, what can I get better at? So I think, you know, that's the biggest thing is, you know, anytime you come up short, it, it always gives you, you know, extra fuel to that fire knowing that, okay, I got to work a little harder this time to get a little better because obviously I wasn't good enough this past year. What was it like to, you know, obviously the gold glove, but what was it like to, to show up on MVP ballots? That was crazy, man. You, Flaherty, Goldschmidt, all yeah. got votes. That was crazy. Um, honestly, it, it opened my eyes to realize how good I really am. You know, before then, you know, my, my career up until the last year was very up and down. You know, it was one of those things where I was still trying to figure out the person, the player that I was. So to get to that point last year and see that I was, you know, getting some MVP votes was was pretty cool because I, I mean, obviously I know I'm a good baseball player, but to actually, you know, see it on paper and see that, you know, I was actually voted as an MVP candidate to say, but that was awesome. You know, it definitely, definitely lit a fire in me, like I said, even more and uh, made me believe in myself even more. You know, looking at the numbers, you and Flaherty may have been the best combo statistically of any two teammates in baseball the second half of the season wow. in terms of what you guys did. I mean, yeah. did, did you feel, not necessarily things changing, but just the second half of last season was special in, in so many ways. Does that, you know, give you encouragement that you guys are, despite how good it was, just really kind of scratching the surface? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, I, I kind of have seen myself as like a second half kind of guy in my career. I, I've always, like, learned how to kind of turn it on towards the second half, so... You know, just trying to get the first half to catch up to the second half is, is kind of big, but... It wasn't even that it was a bad first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second half was unbelievable. Absolutely. But, you know, just learning who I am was the biggest thing, you yeah. know, and really stop stopping, you know, the overswinging and, you know, the over-aggressiveness. You know, that has always been something that I've always had to fight with throughout my career. 
and finally I was able to really take that step and be like, okay, man, like I'm way more valuable being on base than I am trying to create a run. If I get on base, I can create runs way easier that way. And, you know, just looking at the numbers and talking with the coaches and, and really having, you know, self-talk with yourself, you know, and realizing, man, if I want to stay in this league for a long time, if I want to be, a, you know, in this league for a while, I have to really figure out who I am. Cardinals top prospect Dylan Carlson joins us. When we come back, it's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. They walked in with this giant hose thing and this weird-looking mask. I could not tolerate the mask. Clear and simple. CPAP works for some people, but not everyone. That's why there's Inspire. Inspire is a sleep apnea treatment that works inside your body with just the click of a remote. That's right, a button. If you're struggling with CPAP, visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire. Sleep apnea innovation. No mask, no hose, just sleep. Testimonials are genuine and typical. Results may vary. Talk to your doctor to see if Inspire is right for you. Review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Super Tuesday is over, but does Donald Trump face any danger in November? And the coronavirus, could that help Democrats if things get worse? You really need to know what's happening. You can find out right now from Sean Spicer. Sean, of course, President Trump's press secretary. And now he's giving folks like you the real story, bypassing the big networks on his new show on Newsmax TV. It's called Spicer and Company. So watch Sean on Newsmax TV tonight and every weekday at 5 p.m. Central Time. I watch Newsmax TV all the time and love it. Find Newsmax TV on DirecTV 349, Dish 216, AT&T Uverse 1220, Sunlink 102, Spectrum 222 or 248, and many, many more. Or check your cable guide. Plus, if you want special info from Sean, including his take on the coronavirus, just text the word ROCK to 39747. Rock to 39747. That's 39747. They'll send you info back right away. Newsmax TV is now the fastest growing cable news channel in America because it's real news for real people. Hey, let's get the jump on some spring painting with the help of my friends at Surter Pro Painters. Let's first talk about the exterior of your home. Look around. Spring is in the air. You're going to be outside a lot more than you have been, hopefully. And if you notice any home exterior damage, you got to call the pros at Surter Pro Painters. They can take care of cracked, peeling, or chipping paint on your home's exterior. They can also do that for the interior. I go to Serta Pro time and time again, and I have for about 10 years now because they just make it so easy. And I don't have to do it myself. Quality, service, timing, trust, attention to detail. They do it all. They have great crews right here. They're local crews. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated. That just means you might get a different crew depending on where you live in the area. Schedule your free estimate online now at CertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. Protect your home's investment with quality spring painting from Serta Pro Painters. They do a great job. Serta Pro Painters. We do painting. You do life. Every day, Ameren, Illinois works to deliver reliable energy throughout the state to on-the-go families, new parents, in-the-know grandparents, busy students, night owls, weekend warriors, and more. But did you know we also have options to help manage and track your energy, like paperless billing, outage notifications, pick-a-due date, and so much more. So no matter who you are or how you use your energy, there's an option that's right for you. Learn more at AmerenIllinois.com options. Introducing Long John Silver's $10 Seashares. Pick up our six-piece fish, nine-piece chicken, 15-piece shrimp, or six crab cakes, each for just 10 bucks. Long John Silver's. Fish yeah! Pricing and participation may vary. Does not include tartar grilled. Tax extra. Did you know that St. Louis Composting can deliver any of their bulk products to your home? They are open all year round. 
For more information, visit stlcompost.com. That's stlcompost.com for St. Louis Composting. What's more important than profit? At Easter Fence Deck and Renovations, our family name is, you, our customers, and friends are, a job well done and doing what's right is more important than profit. Hi, I'm Chuck Easter. In business for over 60 years, we've not lost sight of the fact that a good name is more desirable than great riches. When Easter name is on your fence, deck, or home remodeling project, you know that the work was done right with integrity, pride, and great care. Our focus is on you, not our bottom line. Call 314-892-8500 or easterfence.com. Easter Fence Deck and Renovations, where customers become friends. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. A lot of looks at Cardinals prospects, and perhaps none more exciting than our next guest, as we hand it back over to Mike Claiborne. Dylan Carlson is our guest, and first of all, uh, a week in the books now for you in the big league camp. What's it been like, and give me your thoughts on how things have gone. Oh, it's been great. Um, you know, we've been learning a lot, working hard, and uh, guys have really been getting after it, so it's been a great experience so far. I see where you sit in the clubhouse is a unique spot. I mean, a rookie normally doesn't sit on that side of the, the clubhouse very often, and you're sitting around a lot of the veterans on that, on that team. So tell me what you've been able to learn from them. Oh, it's been great. Um, I'm right next to Weeders, and he's just been great. He's been, uh, you know, joking with me. And, uh, you know, we've been able to relate a lot as far as talking about switchhead and how he prepares for games. Just, you know, being able to lean on someone in there, and not only him, you know, everyone in that clubhouse has been uh, really great. And I've been really thankful at how, uh, how willing they are to share advice and, you know, just be able to uh, pass along their past experiences. Talk about the at-bats this week. I mean, you obviously have gotten off to a good start. What was your approach coming into the spring about how you were going to deal with this? I'm not sure if they told uh, Every opportunity I got, whether it was starting, coming off the bench, I just wanted to uh, show them, you know, I know how to play the game and, uh, you know, I could get it done. So for me, it's just been uh, understanding the process and trying to, you know, be best prepared for any situation I'm put in. You know, I watch you in the clubhouse and I watch you. You, you ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're kind of like a sponge. And I'm sure even coming up in a baseball family, so to say, there's always something you can learn about the game. So what have you learned so far at a big league level? Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, I just I'm a big question asker. I just I really feel like that's a way to, you know, help get help myself get better every day. Um, so, for example, like a question I'd ask, uh, so with Weeders, I'd ask him, you know, how he approaches switch hitting. You know, does he take an equal amount of reps? Mm-hmm. Does he just, t- and then I'd ask the same thing to Dexter and see, you know, if their answers are similar, how much it relates to me. And then, you know, if I like something, I'll try it out. And, you know, the, it's just it's just been really cool to be able to have guys in there. You know, I, I'll even go to Willie because he switch hits. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just so, so many different options in there where I, I have uh, been able to go to, and it's been real incredible what is your approach to switch hitting because that's something we don't talk a lot about because you're going to see a lot more right-handed pitchers but don't forget you're a switch hitter so you need to turn it around from time to time so what is your approach as far as how many swings you want to get Mm -hmm. so for me I try to make it pretty equal but uh you know if I know I'm not going to necessarily get right-handed at bats that day I'll probably do more work off the machine that way I'm still working at game speed in my opinion so for me um you know, maybe a little bit more machine work righty than lefty, but I still try to get an equal number of swings. I watched you the other day. You had a triple, mm-hmm. and I thought the reason why you got the triple was because you cut those corners so well on the bases. I've seen guys find themselves running on the grass as they make that round <laughs> turn. 
Where did you learn your baseball? I know your dad had a lot to do with it, but that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like a big league thing I've, I watch because a lot of guys don't know how to run the bases. You've obviously shown early in your career that you know a little bit about it. Yeah, so for me, um, coming up through the minors and then this last year in uh, Major League Camp, big focus was base running. And, uh, you know, I really take pride in how I run the bases. Um, and, you know, it's been a real focus on, you know, trying to get that next base. So for me, I felt like cutting the angles, cutting the corners. It's something we've actually talked about in there, you know, helping us as a team. And um, for me, I just I take pr- a lot of pride in it. So, um, you know, I just try to run the bases as best as I can, be smart out there and understand every situation that comes up. I know people want to work on different things. Everybody wants to be better. What's the one thing Dylan Carlson tries to focus on at this point? you got a week under your belt, a lot more baseball to be mm-hmm. played. What are you trying to work on now? For me, I just try to keep it as simple as possible. I never try to get too high or too low, so I just try to stay even no matter, you know, how the game's going or what, how it dictates. So for me, I just, you know, I just try to stay humble and uh, keep keep going about my business the right way. Now, you say humble. I've, I've heard that Dylan Carlson does a little chirping from time to time <laughs> on getting people if he has a chance to get in the batter's box. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I try to keep it loose too also that's for sure um yeah so uh you know i try to there's some guys that i'll go to and uh, be a little bit looser with for sure and uh you know i just i try to go out there and keep it fun so much has happened to you in such a short period of time you go from high school to single a and then all of a sudden you move up the ladder pretty quick and now you're in your first big league camp in your second year in the game what have you tried to take away from each stop? Because you weren't th- mm-hmm. at many of these stops very long. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just I've been really, you know, trying to just learn. So for me, the big focus for me has always been find a way to get better each and every day. That's just the thing I was taught. And, you know, it's been a thing that's been reiterated in there. So uh, I just really try to learn every day. And I think that helps me uh, understand the game more, helps me understand situations and not be so surprised when things do come up. I mentioned your family earlier. Your dad has been mm-hmm. instrumental in your career and a lot of players' careers as far as the big leagues are concerned. Uh, what advice has he given you? Because we see a generation of young players who can only hit leadoff, only play uh, hit third in the order, things of that nature. You seem like you're a much more well-rounded player. So what advice did he give you? Oh, for me, he just always told me to work on everything. So, you know, he just – it was just always all about working hard and, uh, you know, being humble. So – I've just always stuck with that and tried to make the most out of uh, every situation I've had and just put in all I got. So that way, at the end of the day, I'd be able to look myself in the mirror and know I gave it everything. Play any other sports growing up? I did. I played uh, football all the way up from age six until my junior year of high school. So I played football, and then I played basketball for a couple years in there too. So it was always one of those things where he just pushed me to play as many sports as I could. And then, you know, when it came time to play baseball, then – it was time. I like your dad already. Mm-hmm. I haven't even shaken hands with yep. him because we see that so much where mm-hmm. kids are so focused on one sport mm-hmm. and they don't use the other muscles in their body and the other elements that really help them become a more mm-hmm. well-rounded athlete. A hundred percent. I agree with that uh, totally. For me, I just, I had a lot of fun playing a bunch of sports and I think I learned a lot of valuable lessons through each of them. And it, it, I think it honestly helped me a lot, made me a better athlete, made me understand, you know, my body better, made me just, it never really made me burned out on one sport necessarily, if that makes sense. It just was like, you know, I played baseball, then it went into football or went into basketball. Then, you know, just one of those things where I never really got burned out on one sport, but it was, uh, it was really great. And I'm really grateful I did it. All right. Final question for Dylan Carlson or the veterans taking care of this 20 year old guy, man, making sure you eat right, make sure you don't have to pay 
day. Who's looking out for you these days? Oh, there's so many guys in there. You know, uh, Goldie's my guy. He's been really great for me. Uh, Carp's been great. Colton's been great. Dex. I mean, the list goes on and on. Weeders, everyone's been great. Wayno. So, I mean, for me, it's been, uh, I'm really grateful. And uh, I owe a lot of guys in there. That's for sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. On June 13th, head to Bush Stadium for Kenny Chesney, featuring Florida Georgia Line, Old Dominion, and Michael Franti. Tickets are available at cardinals.com slash Chesney. We're back to tell you about a great, great program that's back for 2020. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ammer and I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network and it's great to have Ryan Jennings, the Community Outreach Coordinator for SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Foundation, join us on the program to talk about one of the best initiatives that's back for 2020. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk a little bit about Homers for Health today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It's the 2020 Homers for Health campaign. SSM Health, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital, again, such a big part of this incredible initiative in just eight years more than six million dollars to benefit sick and injured children who come to ssm health cardinal glennon children's hospital in need of care uh tell us ryan just a little bit about the program if folks are unfamiliar as we get set for the 2020 edition of homers for health Absolutely. Uh, Well, Homers for Health is our partnership with the St. Louis Cardinals where uh, fans can make a pledge per home run hit by the Cardinal. You can pledge as little as 25 cents per home run. And the Cardinals have been pretty good to us. They've been hitting about 200 home runs per season. So if you do the quick math, you know, that's about a $50 donation to the hospital. Um, And so fans can can make that gift pretty quickly online via homersforhealth.org. And it all adds up, like you said, and do a, some pretty impressive totals for, for children and families in need. Yeah, the entire team is a uh, part of this, and it was started by Matt Holliday, his wife Leslie, Matt Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, Paul DeYoung uh, are the guys who are helping lead this fight. And the funds raised do so many incredible things, Ryan. Give folks an idea of some of the different things that uh, this program is helping to fund and the home runs, whether you donate 25 cents or a dollar or five bucks or 10 bucks, what you're helping uh, and what you're helping benefit as far as the Children's Fund is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. So the Children's Fund addresses the areas of greatest need within our hospital. Um, these can be the dollars that lead to discoveries that eventually become treatments for our kids. Um, it allows us to pro- provide access to uh, families who couldn't find these treatments elsewhere. Um, but really what it does is continue to allow us to provide a, a family centered healing environment uh, for children and families in need. Obviously, when you're treating a child, uh, they come with with parents, grandmothers, siblings, guardians, and and all of these folks are involved in that healing process for this child. So there's a lot of extra consideration that uh, we take, and and we're able to really provide that highest level of, of care and healing thanks to programs like Homers for Health. Yeah, and you guys have a new co-chair this year, Cardinal Glennon patient Kennedy Berger. I am a huge fan of Kennedy because she was a part of the National Kidney Foundation Gala that I emceed this past November. What an unbelievable little girl and and what an unbelievable young woman. I know you guys are excited to have her uh, as a co-chair this year. 
Absolutely. We're, we're just so excited. She's She's just perfect for us. Um, she's been a gunning kid for about four years. And as you know, she was fortunate enough to receive a new kidney this past July. Um, but uh, we love to love to, to have her there because she really drives home the mission of Cardinal Gunnin, and that, that's serving children in need. And uh, we're, we're just so excited. She's such a, such a personality for sure, and we can't wait to, to see her out there engaging with fans and the community. You can go to homersforhealth.org, homersforhealth.org to make your donation. And, Ryan, as you said, you can start with as little as 25 cents, which, you know, if we go by the sample size, as we say in baseball, over the last couple of years, it would be about a $50 donation. And, again, just a little bit can go a long way, can't it? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. And, um, you know, something like $50 uh, might not seem like a lot in the, the world of healthcare, but for us it means the world. This this allows us uh, something that we've been working on is is respite for families and, and providing nights out to parents who may be spending weeks at a time in the hospital, you know, not leaving their child's room, but uh, being able to provide a, a night out for these families and allowing them to take care of themselves so they can better take care of their child is, is so impactful and so important. Um, even even down to things like providing gas cards for our families who may not be able to afford to travel to and from our hospital uh, is is powerful, and, and Homers for Health is doing that for these families. It's 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 just wonderful what we're able to do with the support of, of really the best fans in baseball. Yeah, again, go to homersforhealth.org and help raise some funds to benefit the Children's Fund and do some really, really incredible things. Matt Holiday uh, Wing opened back in June of 2018. It's remarkable what some home runs and what some generosity from Cardinal fans and players certainly alike can do. Go to homersforhealth.org. Org. Ryan, anything else that, that fans need to know as we're three weeks away from getting the season and getting Homers for Health 2020 started? Uh, we'd just like to say thank you to KMOX. Uh, Mike Shannon and John Rooney have been there from the beginning, uh, and also to our sponsor, Coca-Cola, who has been here for many steps along the way and has been a great partner for us. Ryan Jennings, the Community Outreach Coordinator for SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Foundation. Ryan, we appreciate it. Urge fans right now to go get signed up, get involved at homersforhealth.org. Here's to a season full of home runs, and we'll see you guys at the ballpark. Absolutely. You have a good one, Chris. Joint manager Mike Schilt as he hosts the Cardinals Care RBI Golf Classic Thursday, May 7th at Norwood Hills Country Club. This unique experience will pair foursomes with a Cardinals celebrity, including current players, coaches, and alumni. Register today at cardinals.com slash golf. We're back to wrap up the program next. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. What a show. Can you believe it as we wrap up another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, that in three weeks we'll be opening up the regular season. That's right, the countdown is on in Cincinnati as the Cardinals will open the 2020 campaign and their defense of their National League Central crown against the Reds. A big thanks to all of our guests tonight. Thank you to Jack Flaherty, Colton Wong, and Dylan Carlson. Thanks to Rick Ankiel, Dr. Robert Butler, and Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Also, Ryan Jennings talking homers for health with us. A big thanks to Ben Boyd, our executive producer of the program, and Mike Anderson back in our network studios. As always, thanks to Ann Carroll as well. For my co-host, Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. This has been another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. We'll talk to you next week as we get closer to opening day in Cincinnati. That's right, three weeks away from Cardinals 2020. 
regular season baseball, and you'll hear it all right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.